My dad, my dad had a killer one. My dad was is a redhead, oh. and there is a photo of him from the seventies where he is, um, where he is, <laughs> what you would call it, like uh, in bell bottoms with like a full redhead fro. Got it. Yeah. I had a. I, was, I used to play water polo and swim, so I had a jew fro when I was uh, in high school. I big love Jew, that that's where the conversation Jew, started. Hey. Totally. Speaking of Jews, it's the urban term and spiritual extravaganza. <laughs> the podcast of spirituality and religion. I got my guest, Stacy. Hello, Stacy. Hello. So we're talking about Jew froze, but <laughs> the intention of today's podcast is actually talking about Judaism. When did, when did religion come into your life? It's interesting because Judaism is like a, a religion and a culture. So like Jewish guilt immediately. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, like my, I mean, I went to a Jewish preschool. So like my first education was like at a synagogue. Um, and then when my family relocated to Seattle, the synagogue that we belonged to became like the epicenter of life because we didn't know anybody in Seattle. So then that became a place where we met people, but it's not like we were celebrating Shabbat every week, which is a weekly holiday. We didn't keep kosher cause I can like fuck with some pepperoni pizza. Yeah. Um, and we weren't, uh, what's called Shomer Shabbos, which is like, um, <laughs> like, uh, like people using electricity from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown is Shomer Shabbos. Not um, using it. Using not using it yeah so there so like in observance of shabbat like it depends on what sect of judaism you're in like i think that's one of the big misconceptions about judaism is that there's like one kind of jew and it's like no 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 no. we're like a smorgasbord tapas platter of Jews. like of jews <laughs> which <laughs> what a visual <laughs> so let's start by let's start let's go back for a second explain sure. what shabbat is so shabbat is um a weekly holiday that celebrates the god resting on the seventh day of creation and mm. calling it holy so like in christianity that would be sunday right so instead of all day sunday all jewish holidays happen the night before it's called erev in hebrew and so er it means the night before erev is evening so shabbat technically is from friday sundown to saturday sundown so for 24 hours you know, you and you and there's two like things that you do and for Shabbat, like like service wise. Mm. So like you start Shabbat with like a Friday night dinner, Shabbat dinner, um, with with challah with challah, which is like the Jewish braided bread, which we're super famous for. It's real good, y'all. If you haven't checked it out, makes delicious French toast. You're welcome in advance. Um, with and then wine and candles, and then Saturday night Shabbat closes with a service called Havdalah. Um, which is one of my favorite services to do because it's a multi-sensory experience. There's a spice box that smells like cinnamon and cardamom and cloves and you smell that and then you drink grape juice or wine depending on your age or beverage mm. choice. Um, and then there's a Havdalah candle that's braided and it says in like Jewish scripture that Shabbat ends when you extinguish the Havdalah candle in the wine cup and you hear that, that like sizzle, which I think is just hella cool. Like yeah, that's great, great. like, you have to be so present and like close with your community to hear that, to hear that flame right. go out. So Gotta have um, that silence between each other. Yeah. And Jews are not good about being silent every week. <laughs> so every week you guys do that. 
I mean, well, some Jews do and some Jews don't. Like one of our our mutual friends, I was talking about this with Julie the mm-hmm. other day. Like, you know, she's like, I have hipster friends that are not Jewish that celebrate Shabbat. Like Shabbat is a way to pause. I mean, God love a hipster. I love me a hipster. I love I love someone that's like, I celebrate Shabbat. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then they're like, I don't know what it's about, but I love it. I'm like, great. As long as it brings you peace. Yeah. Amen to that. But what's great about Shabbat, like, I don't know about you, but like, I mean, in pandemic times, it's different. But traditionally, like, you got your Monday through Friday thing. And the, the, the energy of the week has a different hustle to it than the weekend, right? right. Depending on, on what you're doing. And so Shabbat is this ancient way of being like, okay, y'all need to just pause, right? Or as I like to say, calm your tits yeah. and, and, and rest. So it's like, you're not looking at your phone. You're not like on social media. You're not like driving around places. You're not, you know, um, you're not distracted. You're present and you're resting and recharging and reflecting so that you can prep yourself for the next week. Like that's mm-hmm. basically what Shabbat is, but, or not, but, but, and, depending on what sect of Judaism you're in, you know, some Jews celebrate it. Some Jews don't like the funniest thing is with my tutoring practices. Like I tutor kids for their bar and bat mitzvahs, which I'm sure we'll get into, but like my busiest times on the weekends. Like, so I am the worst Jewish person. (laughs) What God do Jews pray to? Is there one particular, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we are Jesus. I mean, not Jesus. Although I, so, so the way that I teach it, because I used to teach comparative religion mm-hmm. as well. It's a monotheistic religion. It's one of the Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. monotheistic religions. So if you look at a timeline of like scripture, right? And I'm talking about scripture. I'm talking about like Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, right? Those, those three monotheistic religions. The Old Testament and the Torah, same book, same Got exact it. book. So, and at the very beginning, like the first chapter, I always call like the book of Genesis, by the way, which is mm-hmm. like the first chapter of the Torah. Um, wait, let me, before I get there, hold. Okay. Let me give you like the breakdown. So you got Old Testament and then you've got the Torah. There are five books that make up the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first book, Genesis, like in the beginning, Genesis, yeah. I call the book of Genesis, the real housewives of the Torah. Cause it's like, a lot of family drama and a lot of stuff, which by the way, is the beginning of Islam at the very mm. beginning of the Torah and Old Testament when Abraham, the first Jewish person, not the first person, but the first Jewish person mm. can't get pregnant with his wife, Sarah, who later, spoiler alert, has a baby when she's like great grandma age. And we're just supposed to believe like, that's a thing. Um, he has a son with his handmaid, Hagar. And then when Sarah finally becomes pregnant with her son Isaac which Isaac is the Hebrew word for laughter that's another story for another time Sarah's like oh nah Hagar like get get you and your son and get out of here and like that's the beginning of Islam so you have this this structure and then where the Torah ends which Jews we read the same book it's Mm -hmm. not like Torah part two the untold story it's like the same book and we're um we're coming up next week is the Jewish New Year Rosh Hashanah Mm. And then, which High Holy Days, which we'll also get into. But then at the end of High Holy Days, we have a a harvest holiday. And I call this time of year the Jewish Super Bowl because it's like you have all these major holidays back to back to back to back to back. 
And it ends with something called Simchat Torah, which is, yay, we finished reading the Torah. Let's roll this back up and start all over again. Like the Torah ends with like, the Israelites are about to walk into Israel. And then it ends. And then we literally start over again from the beginning. So where the Torah and Old Testament and that's where New Testament comes in. And this really cool dude named Jesus shows up, which I have nothing to do with. So Abraham was before the Jesus. Abraham was before the Jesus. And he was the first Jew. He was the first Jewish person, but not the first person. But the first Jewish person. The first Jewish person. like, And then before he becomes Jewish, he's Avram. So, so the first two people, Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. and then we all know how that went down. Yeah. And Eve was like, I want to like learn more about my brain and like expand my horizons. And God goes, no. <laughs> and then they get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And, and that starts a whole history of women getting blamed for everything. And then um, humanity somehow evolves. And like also in, in that chapter, you've got like the Tower of Babel. And mm. at that time, like everybody was speaking the same language and they tried to build a tower up to God. And God's like, no, you don't. And then scattered people across the, the world. And then you have people speaking Mandarin and French and Italian and sarcasm and like a whole thing. And then you have, apparently people were at that point, the worst and so bad that God goes, that's it. I'm going to flood everything and start over again. Got it. But I'm going to keep this cool guy named Noah, who's super nice. And I'm going to have him get two of each animal on a boat. And then I'm going to flood everything. So that's then, after Abraham. That's before Abraham. So, and then Abraham is a descendant of Noah. Got it. And then God shows up to Abraham and says, hey, I pick you and your wife, Sarai. He was Avram and Sarai at that point. And he's like, he, she, it, God. Because I don't think God has a gender. I'm like, God can be whatever you want God to be. Um, God says, I want you two to leave everything you know behind. It's a store, a portion called uh, Lech Lecha, Lechila. And says leave the place you know, leave everything you know, follow me to a land that you don't know, and start Judaism with me. Got it. Finger guns. Pew, 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 pew. And that's the start of Judaism, children. <laughs> so tell me about Rosh Hashanah again. So it's a new year. Yeah, so Rosh Hashanah, so if I'm, if I'm talking in my Israeli accent and yeah. Hebrew, um, I mean, I'm a California Jew, so I say Rosh Hashanah because yeah. I'm... That's how I am. But Rosh, it's Rosh Hashanah. So Rosh Hashanah, Rosh means head. Got it. So it, Rosh Hashanah, and uh, it literally means the head of the year. So the reason why I call it the Super Bowl is because this is when all the Jews show up to temple, right? You get what I call the three-day year Jew during this time. The Jews that show up for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and that one Saturday that they get guilted into it by their mom. Got it. Like later in the year. But Rosh Hashanah is the new year. So at this time of year, we have the challah bread that you normally see as a loaf, mm-hmm. like a braided loaf. It's then round and it's filled with like cinnamon and raisins. Mm. And it's round because an extra sweet because you want your new year to be sweet and you don't want your the sweetness to end. Mm. Right? And you dip it in honey and it's you eat a lot of really rich food like noodle kugel, which is basically like a sweet version of... Um, macaroni and cheese. Got it. It's like noodles and butter and like sour cream and raisins and it's 
So the sweetness of the foods represents the sweetness of you want the new year to begin. Like, yeah, you eat really rich food. You have a lot of people over. You hear the shofar blast. Um, the shofar is that like ram's horn. That was the official call to worship. Um, and then you say these prayers. And then at the end of Rosh Hashanah, there's this really cool ritual called Tashlich. Tashlich. I know, right? It sounds like I'm having an asthmatic fit. Tashlich. So Tashlich is where you take, um, and it's not a wide known practice with like reformed Jews, which I would say like are your cultural, like everyday, like I like my bagel and lox Jews. Hmm. Um, and all reformed Jews that are listening to this, I'm so sorry if I've offended you, don't come at me. Um, that it, that they, you take breadcrumbs and you th- cast them into the ocean as your sins from the past year. And then, but the way that I teach it is I'm like, look, I think there's, there was something that the ancient like rabbis and scribes forgot to give with the directions with that. Like casting away your sins is great. However, I encourage people to consider like, instead of casting away your sins, you, you think about you, you send it away with gratitude, right? Like you and I were just talking about gratitude yeah. before you started recording. That you thank God, the universe, whatever placeholder works for you energetically for the experiences of the past year and you lovingly send it back, right? Like, thank you for these lessons. I no longer need this. I'm handing this back to you, God. So, right? so do families go to the ocean? Do they actually go to the ocean? Mm-hmm. Or like a lake or, or lake you know, or listen, if you're Some in water. a city... Yeah. I have my friends in New York that are like, a, a toilet will do. <laughs> like, Got it. Um, and they take one bread, breadcrumbs. They, they take breadcrumbs and they and they and they cast it away. It's like it's this energetic like movement, right? Where you're you're physically casting away and putting that into the water and letting God handle it. Got and it. then you have ten days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur where you have to get your shit in order, where you have to like apologize to people. You have to like set the records straight. You have to like have a clean slate because Yom Kippur is the next holiday, which is Yom Kippur means the day of atonement. Mm. But my flip on it is I think of Yom Kippur as the day of at one right? Because if you take atonement, yeah. you take the word atonement and you chop it up, it's at one right? So and- Rosh Hashanah, is that on the same day every year? On the 19th? No. So that's a super fun thing about the Jewish calendar. It's on a lunar calendar. So like, you know how Halloween's always on October 31st? Yeah. Rosh Hashanah is never like on September 18th. It's like some years it's the beginning of September. Some years it's the middle of October. Mm. It all depends. I want to say, and I might be dating myself, so I don't know, but I feel like it was like eight years ago when Hanukkah was the day after Thanksgiving. I don't know if you if Jewish friends remember that, if you remember that at all. That happens every 428 years that it's that close. Wow. Um, it was Thanksgiving Cup. And um, I personally love when Hanukkah falls after Christmas because then I can get all my gifts on sale. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> but, so 19th of this year is um, Rosh Hashanah. Yes. And the 28th the- is the Yom Kippur. Right. So the 19th is, is the day celebration, but Rosh Hashanah technically starts Erev night before. So there's Erev Rosh Hashanah and then there's Rosh Hashanah and then it technically lasts two days. And then, but no one in the States, at least like, unless you're super observant Jews, like no one really celebrates the second day. 
And then Yom Kippur, mm. yeah, it's 10 days later. And then you have Kol Nidre, which is the technically the night before Yom Kippur. And on Yom Kippur, you fast for 24 hours. I think Yom Kippur is the most misunderstood holiday in the world. And it's one of my favorites, personally. So is it, would you say Yom Kippur is sort of like the beginning of the next chapter in your life? Yeah, I think it's the beginning. And it's also like, it's a holiday that requires presence. Like, mm. it's a holiday that requires, like, it has... I think whoever does the PR on Yom Kippur like needs to spin it. All my all my students are like Yom Kippur is the worst. Like we can't eat anything for twenty four hours, and then you have breakfast. Which fun fact? That's where the word breakfast come from comes from because you're breaking the fast between Got dinner, and, right? That's brilliant. Little fun, little fun language fact. Did you create um, that? I mean, I don't quote me. I don't know, but, okay, uh, but we'll I, a rabbi did. buddy told me that years ago, and I was like, I'm gonna take this and run with it. But, but Yom Kippur, you're supposed to be humble before God. You're mm. supposed to ask for forgiveness. So you're not only asking forgiveness from others, but I think what a lot of Jewish people forget to do is ask forgiveness from themselves, right? Like, right. I don't know about you, but like, I sometimes lose track during the day of like things that I sometimes say to myself mentally, especially during COVID that are like, not super nice, that are mm. not super supportive, not super like spiritual guru grounded things like i'm able to do that for other people but sometimes like i'll be in a meeting or i'll be in the studio or i'll be doing something and i'm like god stacy that was so stupid like it's little things like that so on yom kippur i try and find ways to forgive myself right mm. and move on to that next chapter and the fasting comes from being present like a lot of people think the fasting is a punishment yeah it's not like for forever <laughs> like until recently food was the only comfort you could really take away from people so it was trying to be humble before god like you're not supposed to wear makeup you're not supposed to brush your teeth you're not supposed to like for 24 hours you're supposed to be the most vulnerable version of yourself because in that vulnerability you're able to truly ask for forgiveness well that's where value is right vulnerability is valuable and so and authenticity, right? Completely. When you said that, I was thinking about the thing about Rosh Hashanah is when you have all those foods, those sweet foods, it's very difficult to forgive yourself. And then what I mean by that is it's when you do fast, your mind and your body is healing too. So I've done fasting yeah. diets where I fast for like 12 hours. I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm able to get more in tune with who I am. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's getting in tune with, like, that's beautiful. Like it's getting in tune with who you are, but it's also, it's requiring you to be present, which I think in today's day and age is really hard. Yeah, Like we are so distracted and we have so many things at our fingertips. So what I tell families to do is I say, you should fast from the thing that you don't want to fast from. And nine times out of 10, it's cell phones. So I say, you know, and there's loopholes with fasting, right? So like if you have a medical condition where you can't fast, like, if you, you know, or if you're caretaking for other people, um, or if it'll harm you in any way, like emotionally, physically, mentally to fast, right? Like just eat a little light, you know, like you, you do like a pared down version, mm. but nine times out of 10, when I tell families, especially kids, I'm like, go without technology for 24 hours. They're like, I would rather go hungry. I would rather not eat. And I'm like, well, then that's the thing you should fast from because you should fast from the thing that distracts you and brings you the most comfort because that's what's preventing you from being present in the moment. It's not forever. It's just for that 24 hours. So fasting is just doesn't just involve food. 
No, I mean, you know, but that's, I mean, there's a lot of modern day Jews. Like, I mean, I had an ex that was like, I'm not eating, but I'm on my phone. And I'm like, like, you're not fasting. Like, listen, you do you, that's your practice. But like, you should be stepping away from, like, I mean, I say like you should, but like for, for people to consider like stepping away from work, stepping away from your normal patterns, like taking this holy day for what it is and experiencing it for yourself. And at the end of the day, my whole motto, especially with my faith in Judaism, because I blend a lot of other practices mm-hmm. into it, um, is that there's no right or wrong way to be Jewish, right? Like there's no right or wrong way to find a spiritual connection that works for you. It has to be, you know, and it's an ever-changing process. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's an evolution. And I think allowing yourself to be open to that is, is a big part of it. Got it. And so those middle, those nine days in between, what is it that you're doing? You're just living a normal life? I mean, Meaning? yeah. Like, I mean, it's not like I, yeah, it's like I, I go into a cave and yeah. a cloak and a dinner. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a modern woman who just happens to be Jewish and I have... <laughs> So you and I were like chopping it up yeah. before this. I'm like, here are all of the plates I have in the air and hopefully none of them break. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, but it is that practice of, you know, I have some friends of mine like that'll call me up and say, like Jewish friends of mine that are like, hey, please forgive me for, you know, I'm just wanting to reach out. If I did anything intentionally or unintentionally, like that's a big thing like in the scripture for Yom Kippur that we read, like, if I committed any sins, like knowingly or unknowingly, like intent doesn't matter, right? Like it's, it's, and we're asking God to inscribe us into the book of life for another year. Mm. So like, you don't want to go into the next year holding on to any of that negative energy from the year before. So like, I, I ask for light and healing and God's grace, you know, um, all the time. And then when I'm, when I'm praying with Yom Kippur with my family or on my own, like if I'm doing my own meditations on it, I say, I, I also like end my prayer with like, God, if there's anything else that I've missed that you see, like, I also include anything that I, that I don't know to ask. I don't want to leave any part of this like unswiffered. <laughs> like yeah. I want to make sure that we are clean and we are good to go. <laughs> and and then you start Yom Kippur on us on a clean slate, and then that's the new year. And then a week after that, you have Sukkot, which is the harvest holiday where we build these like freaking huts in backyards. That's a whole thing. And you're supposed to have like parties in them and eat fun foods. And then Right after that, you have Simchat Torah, which is like, yay, we finished reading the Torah. And then we have a little bit of respite. And then we have what I consider the Arbor Day of Judaism, which is Hanukkah. We got a little bit of a break. And then we have Jewish Halloween. I, there's like a whole calendar. Yes, like I'm a whole, whole, you just love the party. It's truly, we're like, hey, we survived people trying to kill us again. Let's get drunk. Totally. Like, and let's have some bread and with a lot of sweets and cinnamon. All the carbs. All what's, the your carbs. Favorite, what's your favorite... Uh, food Jew- my Jewish favorite food. jewish food yeah. that's a hard question i mean that's not a me that's like i what's love one food you could share with us that you like i mean i think well you know mm, i'm i'm hesitant because there's also like there's two different cultures food wise within judaism so there's there's ashkenazic jews which come from like eastern and western europe and then there's sephardic jews which come from like the mediterranean 
Got it. And so there's two different like food profiles, culture both profiles, like Yidd- there's Yiddish and then mm. there's Ladino. Mm. So there, which is like uh, two different like cultural languages as well. So, I mean, everybody, I would assume that listens, hopefully if you haven't gone to like a deli or a diner in your hometown and tried matzo ball soup, please do. Cause it's Jewish penicillin and it's so good. It's like chicken noodle soup with like Matzo balls are delicious and amazing, and I know they look weird, but trust me, you'll love them. And anyone that's nursed a hangover has had some form of vodkas because they are AKA hash browns, so they're the best. Yeah, what are what are the matzo balls made out of? Um, matzo meal. So like ma- like matzos that are like literally pulverized down, and then like eggs, and it's like a dumpling. It. It's like a Jewish dumpling is Got what it. I would call it. A really good matzo ball. Like here's how you know you have a good matzo ball is that if it's like fluffy and light. Like a hard, like I'm so graphic talking about matzo balls. Yeah. Like a hard matzo ball that's like mealy and like thick and like doesn't, it's not fluffy and light. That's bad matzo ball. You want like a fluffy matzo ball mm. and you want like carrots and onions and celery and chicken Got and it. noodles. Do you and put like, any spices in there, like hot spices? There's, I mean, that's, I mean, I've made this joke with you before, like my, my, my delicate Jewish blood, like I can't handle spicy yeah. food, but like my friends that are Sephardic, like there are spices in those foods. Cause that's part of like where they're traditionally from. No, like Ashkenazic Jewish food is like, let's take all the potatoes, all the dairy, all the garlic and onion and like leeks. It's like, Eastern European food at its best, which, by the way, fun fact about the latka, which is a very famous Jewish food that we serve on Hanukkah, like food is everything in Judaism, right? Like that's part of the culture. Like Hanukkah is the story of the Maccabee soldiers, 500 of them defeating the Syrian soldiers that were 5,000 who like destroyed the first temple in old Jerusalem. And the Maccabees were peep. They were, they weren't trained soldiers. They were like militia, Mm. um, and it's one of the first places in documented history of guerrilla warfare. Monica is all about the, what we tell little kids because you're not going to tell like five-year-old yeah. Jewish kids. So the Syrians came in and were tearing shit up and like yeah. fucking telling people that they had to be part of this empire. And blah, 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 blah. Um, They're like, no. So the soldiers came in and destroyed the temple and there used to be a big menorah in the temple that was like so big and it had this special blessed oil and all the oil got destroyed but when the Maccabees won there was one jug of oil left that was only enough for one night but it lasted for eight nights and it's a miracle and sure um so that shows up in the food so everything on Hanukkah is deep fried (laughs) for eight days correct Right. I mean, yeah. So you have like donuts or, or sufganyot, um, jelly donuts or like donut holes that are like sprinkled in like cinnamon sugar and shit. And then you have latkes, which are like just like really slutty hash browns, like just so good. And we serve them with applesauce or sour cream. Ooh, right. So but, but right. It's, it's literally, if you have, if that's, if you're trying to like to all of you listeners out there, if you're like, I want to try Jewish food, but I'm scared. You can't go wrong with a fried potato. If you like French fries, you'll like a latka. What? The Maccabees killed the Syrians, which is why you have eight days, which is one oil left. I mean, I mean right. technically. Well, I um, mean, I think, I think that's how long it, the, the battle, like, I mean, there's like all different theories about it, but like the reason why out of everything to deep fry, right? The potato, the potato historically is a food of the people, right? Mm. So the idea behind it was no matter what your economic station, you could celebrate Hanukkah by frying up, you know, frying up some Correct. Potato. 
So there's uh, there's all these really cool hidden things about Jewish food that I don't even think a lot of Jewish people know. And listen, the way to my heart is through my stomach. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to talk about this food. And Judaism has a lot of it. Like, I think noodle kugel is my favorite thing. I have my great-grandmother's recipe for noodle kugel. And my great-grandma, Bryony, she rolled deep, man. She was like, I never met. I'm, I'm, she died when I was a baby, but she never measured anything when she cooked. She would... There was a, there's a Yiddish phrase called, um, a Yiddish phrase, a shitterine, and it means a little of this. And her recipes were all in Yiddish, and it was like, a shitterine of this, a shitterine of that. And then, so her, my great-grandpa Bill would like, she was like 4'11", and he was like five foot, and he would like stop her and be like, whoa, whoa, wait. And so it'd be like, he would translate them to English being like, about a half a cup of this, Got almost it. a quarter cup of that. And then at the end of each recipe, it would say good luck with an exclamation point. Nice. Um, and her Kugel recipe uh, was so beloved. She used to race. <laughs> Sorry, mom, that I'm telling this story. She used to like love betting on like horse races. Mm -hmm. So imagine this like short little Jewish woman would go to the racetrack with Noodle Kugel and she befriended like gangsters apparently. And they tried to give her inside tracks on like <laughs> the race. And she would, she said, I'm not going to bring you noodle kugel, you boys noodle kugel again if you, if you let me cheat. And I think it was like Bugsy Malone or something like that. Like it was like some big deal, like mafia. Got it. <laughs> like Jewish That's mafia great. People. I'm like, oh man. Well, food, I mean, mafia or no mafia people, foods, food will change everything in people's lives. So I what's mean, in the noodle yeah. kugel? Overall. So noodle kugel, uh, noodle kugel is so good. Noodle kugel is good cold or hot. Fun fact. Mm. Um, it used to traditionally served warm. Um, the way I've explained it to my non-Jewish friends who've like come with me to like family dinners or whatever is I'm like, look, this noodle thing is like a dessert version of macaroni and cheese, just so they get their minds around it. And then they're, and then once they hear, I've found that that's been the most descriptive, like the most helpful phrase for people. And they're like oh this actually isn't so weird it's wide egg noodles and then it's like whole milk sour cream like whole curd cottage cheese eggs cinnamon sugar vanilla golden raisins um butter like i think like three sticks of butter it's just all the it's like all the dairy all the carbohydrates, all the sugar, and you bake it, and then it's great. And then there's different versions of like noodle kugel that are like have like uh, like a cinnamon crunch top on them, or mm. like every every Jewish mother has her own like. So it's more like a dessert. It. it is. It's like a it's like a dessert side dish, but it's it's but it's not served as a dessert though. It's served as a side dish. It could also be like an appetizer, but it is sort of served. It's served as a side dish. Yeah, it's like it's served. It's served in the way that macaroni cheese is served. At yeah, meal. got it. That makes sense. But it's so good. But is it like uh, macaroni cheese, or is it kind of like in squares, where it's kind of like it's it's cut in squares? So it's yeah. cut. Yeah, I mean, so it's good. not loose like macaroni. It's like it's cut in squares. But the funniest thing for me is when I go grocery shopping. Every supermarket always has like in the ethnic food dial for mm -hmm. every Jewish no matter what the holiday, right? Ethnic. ethnic right? My white ass, like ethnic. ethnic. Um it's it's uh they'll use the they'll use matzah for every holiday. And matzah is only for Passover. Got it. So I'm like, cool, we're celebrating Rosh Hashanah. I don't need matzah. Like I get that you sell this all year round because the shit never goes bad. Yeah. But 
Come on. Or, or you have no clue about what's going on. So you just say matzah. Because it's, I mean, especially growing up in Seattle, like there's one area of Seattle in particular that has a huge Jewish population, but the rest of it is kind of like, like the major difference is, you know, schools in Los Angeles, they close for the Jewish holidays. Yeah. So like kids don't have school on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur if it falls during the school week. I in Seattle was like, got it, that was the one thing that kept me from the dean's list one year because I missed t- and I fought them on it because I was like, I have a 4.1 GPA. Like I missed class for two days the entire school year for a holiday that you yeah. won't recognize. Um, That's LA. I was, a, I was a surly 16 year old though. So, you know, go figure. So let's go. So let's, so we went through Hanukkah. We went through Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, and then we have one more Passover. Passover. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other two major holidays I would talk about, like after Hanukkah, you have Purim or Purim, which is like Jewish Halloween. Got it. And it is a fun fact about Purim is that it is exactly six months after Yom Kippur. It always happens at the half year way during the year. And you are supposed to party so hard on Yom Kippur that you can't tell the difference between your friends and your enemies. And we eat these triangle cookies called hamantashen. So that comes from, so it's, this story isn't from the Torah. It's uh, from the Megillah or Megillah, which is the scroll of Esther. Um, Happens after Torah times. It's a separate book. And basically, spoiler alert, there's this evil guy. Think of like Jafar from Aladdin, um, who's like, I hate the Jews. I want to get rid of them. And spoiler alert, we win. Um, So Haman was his name. He was a big fan of triangle hats. Like he loved them and was like, I look so good in this super crazy triangle hat. And I'm going to walk around and kill Jewish people while I wear this hat. Uh, and so when we would tell the story of Purim, where, which has all kinds of issues, another podcast for another time, the kids would get scared, right? Mm. They'd hear this story about Haman and they'd get scared. And so the moms figured out a way, like, how can we make Haman not scary anymore? And they're like, oh, nothing scarier than a cookie. So Tashin comes from the word for cookie. So Haman Tashin, they turned the a murderous villain into a fucking cookie, which Got is it. great. So, so, and hamantashens are normally filled with like some kind of fruit preserve or like poppy seeds or um, like if you're like me as a kid, I was like, I want a little bit of everything. So I'm like apricot jam, blueberry jam, uh, chocolate chips, rainbow sprinkles. And like, I ha- forced my mom to eat this like gray mound of a triangle cookie. I was like, I made nice. this for you. Um, and you're supposed to get super drunk and we call it your Halloween because you dress up in costume. And then you hand out like little gift bags of like sweets to people. Um, and then after Purim, you have uh, Passover. And Passover is, of course, the most famous holiday that we have. Right. Um, it has been immortalized on stage and screen. Um, and if you want the animated version, Prince of Egypt, because literally... DreamWorks' first movie was about Moses, and I will uh, the first animated film that was that was what started DreamWorks was uh, Prince of Egypt, and it's great. And Mariah, and like it has a star-studded cast and like a stellar soundtrack. So check it out. So Passover is in the book of Exodus, which is the second book of the Torah, literally meaning the exit. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
little tour of fact. So the book of Genesis ends with like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. And then 400 years go by where we just like don't know what happened. And then the book of Exodus starts and it's literally like so much time has passed that, and Joseph is the reason why the Jews ended up in Israel and Egypt anyway. And so, so much time has passed that the Egyptians don't know who Joseph was and how he basically saved Egyptian civilization. And all the new Pharaoh knows is that the Jews are outnumbering the Egyptians. And so it's this like, they, they basically in a paragraph talk about how the Israelites get enslaved. And then more time even passes. And even though the Jews are enslaved, they're still like getting married, having babies, living their best lives. I mean, not their best lives because they're yeah. enslaved. But like, they're still like, you know what? We're enslaved, but we're going to pop out some kids. And then they're still like outnumbering the Egyptians. And that's when that Pharaoh goes, you know what? We're going to be real murderous about it. And we're going to throw babies into the river. And then you have, right. I know I said that so cavalierly. I'm so sorry. That was a lot. Um, I've taught this so many times and I can't find a gentle way of being like, so babies were thrown into the Nile. Um, <laughs> and then you have um, Moses and then, you know, listen, watch a bunch of movies because he's super famous. Um, but also fun fact about Moses, when we first meet him, Moses is like, God, you've got the wrong person, not me. Like, and God gets mad. God's like, excuse me. Do you know who I am? God's like, um, have you met me? I think I know what I'm doing. Like, stop it. Um, and then by the end of the tour, you can't get Moses to shut up. It's, it. yeah. But anyway, so Passover, so Seder, we have a Seder and you do it for a week, right? So the first two nights are like the big money nights. Like mm. those are the ones that a lot of people celebrate. And Seder in Hebrew means order. So technically when you say the order of the Seder, you're saying the order of the order. And matzah comes from like, so the 10 plagues happen again, children google it's your best friend so in between these 10 plagues the pharaoh's like i'm sorry i'm sorry you can go i didn't mean it i'm so sorry so the israelites are like making their hollow like getting ready to go and pharaoh's like actually i changed my mind and i'm gonna make life so much worse for you now which happens like every couple plagues right so by the end the last plague spoiler alert uh where god kills the firstborn Egyptian son of, of each family, which is where we get the word Passover because um, we now have mezuzahs because we don't want to put lamb's blood on our doors. But God instructs Moses to have the Israelites mark their doorposts with lamb's blood. So God or the angel of death pass over <laughs> um, each Jewish home. So at that point, Moses is like, that's it. We don't have time. <laughs> Grab this bread. Don't let it rise. Let's go. Which is where we get matzah from, which is like a big Jewish saltine cracker. And that's the history of matzah. <laughs> and Passover. I Sorry, I diverted. Like, I, uh, there's no so way. much about it. No way into it. I know. I could, go, I, could go, I could go like elbows deep, So man. the first two nights of Passover, what is it exactly you guys are doing? So we do the whole, ser like you do, it's like a service. So at your dinner table and you read something called the Haggadah, which yeah. is the prayer book, and you retell the story of Passover. And a really beautiful part of it is like, as, as Jewish people, we also take time in the Seder to recognize that we are now free, but there are other groups of people that exist in the world that are not free. And it is our job as Jewish people to help free people that are oppressed, for people that are enslaved. Um, we recognize maybe there are different types of enslavement. 
and and holding space and praying for that. And we eat a lot of ritualistic foods. So you have like the Seder plate, which has like different components to it that represent different things. It's also like, again, a circular plate to represent a cycle. And I think one of the most, the funkier, like two of the funky traditions that stand out for a lot of people, we have something called haroset, which is if you're Ashkenazic, it's this like apple, walnut, wine, cinnamon, sugar mixture that you eat on challah, which represents the mortar for like the brick and mortar for the pyramids. If you are Sephardic, it's like dates, prunes, coconut, dried, like dried fruits. It's like this, like, it's so good. Like both sets are good and I, I I will eat all the Jewish food I can get my hands on Got it. and then the other thing is that we dip parsley into salt water twice like once for our tears and then once for tears of people that suffered um, at the hands of Pharaoh or like people that are suffering in the world today it's depending on what Seder you go to but sometimes my dad used to lead a Seder and he would say how many of you have seen the Prince of Egypt and everyone would raise their hand he's like okay skip to page 47 because if you don't sometimes these satyrs can last like hours and you're drinking wine on an empty stomach and also by the way this is where matzah ball soup comes in um because you can't on passover you can't eat anything that's leavened you can't eat any anything that's got like like that has risen in remembrance of the fact that the jews literally had to leave with the bread on their backs and like run and like cross the red sea and the whole thing so so bread and fruit are really, I guess, you know, unique. I mean, or not unique, but it's very important in the Jewish. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the thing with food in Judaism is that food, it's not just food, right? right. It represents a part of history. It represents a story. It represents, um, you know, communities coming together. It represents families. It represents... Like, it's another way for the community to connect with one another and connect to our history and connect to um, who we are as Jewish people, right? right? It's not just praying. It's like, it's again, that multi-sensory experience, right? Like Havdalah, I was telling you at the beginning, like, it's engaging all the senses and food is a really beautiful way, in my opinion, to do that, um, you know? And, and I think Judaism has a really beautifully expressive way of doing that. That's a very clear way. I mean, the reason I want to interview you, thanks for the interview, by the way. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming on this podcast. But um, Listen, anytime. Um, the reason I was curious about religions and food is I just believe that food is very, is very powerful on a very deep level, not just mm-hmm. because someone puts it in, not just because you put it in your mouth. And every religion has a unique take on food but food has a representation in each religion. Yeah, I think because it's not just feeding you physically, like to, to, to piggyback off that, like it's, it's not just feeding you physically, it's what feeds you emotionally, spiritually, energetically. Like that's, and, and I know we're coming to the end, but like that's like where the kosher laws come from with yeah. Judaism. Like that's another specific thing with food and Judaism. Like we don't mix meat and milk. We don't eat, we don't eat, uh, shellfish or pork products or things like that traditionally and the idea behind and even like how the meat we eat is like killed in a certain way it's it's prepared in a certain way and the idea behind that is is like you are what you eat so like why would you eat an animal eating eating an animal that suffered like you then ingest and and, and energetically absorb that i however love a cheeseburger 
I, you know, like for me, kosher, I wasn't raised in a kosher household. I have friends of mine. Cause like, think about like for kosher, for, 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 for Jewish people that keep kosher and there's different like degrees of kosher. Yeah. Like, but if people are like kosher, 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 right. They are not eating out at restaurants that aren't kosher. Right. Because the plates, how can you tell if the plate, if it's not a kosher restaurant, how can you tell if the plate had meat on it once and then it was washed and then it had dairy, like, or if it had pork or like one of my friends turned like super duper kosher in college and they had to get, they were like two ovens, two refrigerators, two sets of, you have to double everything. You have to like, and I, I, I'm like, no, you know what? If I'm going to have like, steak or whatever for dinner or chicken and if i want ice cream for dessert like you technically have to wait four or five hours in between if you're gonna mix meat and milk i i for me and listen there are jews that super connect to their spirituality and their judaism that way for me it's great for you not for me like for me i'm like that's not how i energetically connect but god bless right got it yeah interesting well we'll get into that next time we talk yeah anytime man i'm here i've learned a lot about judaism <laughs> i learned a lot about uh foods i know i'll try i'll try and get you a honey cake if there's any left because there's honey cake for uh for rosh hashanah because because israel's the land of milk and honey so that's why there's so much dairy and sweets yeah. stacy thank you urban term spiritual extravaganza episode one <laughs> over and you could be so kind to uh share a recipe with us it would be fantastic oh yeah i'll send you my um i'll send you my great grandma briny's recipe for noodle kugel bring it to the Ooh, masses maybe yeah. I'll, I'll cook it Ooh, okay i'll try to cook it hey is that gonna be are the directions are they they're not super complicated right no i had my mom simplify them because i was like this noodle kugel needs to be out in the world for years she would never release it and i was like mom you gotta bring this to the masses oh i'll be great yeah. I'm going to cook it. I'm going to put it on the Okay, video. I'll send it to you. I'm I'll send it to you when we're done. Yeah, All yeah. All right, thank you, Stacey. No problem.